Can a man or a woman or a sinner have faith in God and be depressed? I know many professing believers that are. I have been myself. I recently read an article that claimed that nearly 55 million people in the United States alone, one out of every six, is on some type of psychiatric drug or antidepressant. So it's quite obvious just from those statistics alone that depression runs high in this world in which we live. So again, my question is, can a man, a woman, a sinner, who professes to know and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, be depressed? And it's not a trick question, and neither is my answer. But my answer is scriptural. Do believers suffer depression? Well, I want to answer it in two parts. First, yes, yes. I believe that believers can suffer depression. But the second part of my answer is, I don't believe that we should. And I say we for a reason. I've been depressed, but in knowing what I know, and more importantly, knowing who I know, I shouldn't ever be. Just shouldn't. Some very prominent men in the scriptures battled with depression. First, let's define the word depression. Depression is feelings of severe despondency and dejection. And though the word depression itself is not used at all in the scriptures, it's often described in other terms. It's referred to as despair. The word distress can include depression. In God's Word, depression often comes because of trouble. We've all experienced trouble. Trouble can bring extreme anxiety, sorrow, sadness, misery. And it can be caused by physical or even mental pain or both for that matter. And I've told you before how thankful I am that the Lord doesn't hide the character of men and women in the Scriptures, especially in the, the prominent servants uh, whom the Lord professed, professed to know and love. Um, Job comes to mind. Turn with me to Job chapter 3, if you would. Job had distress, despair, and despondency. How, how could you lose all ten of your children at the same time and not have? How could everything that you have be taken away from you in just a matter of a short period of time and you not have some despondency? That's why Job could say from personal experience, that man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Trouble. Job sure had his portion of trouble. Other than Christ Himself, I can't really think of anyone in all the Word of God, uh, any man that lived on earth who was more afflicted, tried, and suffered as Job did. And not only did he lose all ten of his 
children and everything he had, he also lost his health. The Lord struck him with boils and the top of his head to the sole of his feet. And uh, I believe we can learn something about this issue of despair and trouble and depression from Job. And it is really the attitude of every believer. Job said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We bless the Lord in all our trouble. He's the one that sent it. And in most cases, for the believer, well, no, in all cases, for the believer... It was for their good. And knowing these things, God's people will bless the Lord regardless of what happens, or at least they should. Now what kept Job from cursing God and dying? You know, that's what his wife told him that he should do. Y'all just curse God and die. And here in verse 20 of Job chapter 3, I want you to look closely of what Job said. Job said, It's the Lord that gives light to them that are in misery and life unto the bitter. That word means discontent or despairing soul. You see, friends, it's the light and the life that God gives the chosen sinner and the Lord Jesus Christ that soothes our misery and gives life to our soul. Job said, I abhor myself. I, he hated the sin that so easily beset him, but he kept his eyes on Christ. That's what we have to do. In his trouble, God revealed himself to Job and he said I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear but now mine eye seeth thee and friends it was his trouble that caused him to see his need and it was his need that caused him to see Christ now King David here's another man that had such sorrow sadness and affliction turn with me to Psalm 42, if you would. Psalm chapter 42. And in verse 11, David speaking here to his own soul said this, and every true believer has asked themselves this question, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Why am I so depressed, sad, distressed, full of anxiety? What's wrong with me? You ever ask yourself that question? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? I've asked myself that question many times. How could one so blessed be so down? David, just as Job, knew what the remedy was. I hope you know what the remedy is. I hope I know what the remedy is. He spoke to his own soul. And he said, Hope thou in God. 
I suppose that would be a good title for this message, Hope Thou in God. Are you down? Are you troubled? Are you feeling anxiety? Hope Thou in God. Hope Thou in the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for you. And in his trouble, in his trouble, David, God revealed himself to him. He revealed himself to Job and he revealed himself to David. And praying to the God who does all things well and for the good of the uh, good of his people and the good of his soul, he said, Hope thou in God. That word health there in verse 11, look at that verse with me again. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God. That uh, word health means deliverance. Praise God who is my deliverance. He's my only deliverer. Christ is. David said the remedy of my depression is to praise God who is my medicine. That's what the word means. It means medicine. This is the medicine that God's people ingest. Praying God who to God who does all things well and for the good is for, for their own good is the remedy to my soul being cast down. That word countenance is talking about our soul's acceptance, our soul's favor and reconciliation to God. You see, if I've been accepted of God in Christ, if Christ has put my sin away, then why should our souls be cast down? They shouldn't be. So, what is the remedy? Again, hope thou in God. The psalmist Asaph knew something about depression, knew something about anguish and distress and anxiety. Turn over a few pages to Psalm 77. This psalm was written by Asaph. And while you're turning, let me say that Asaph was a man chosen of God to serve in the tabernacle according to Numbers chapter 18. And David himself assigned Asaph to give thanks to the Lord and to minister before the Ark of the Covenant in 1 Chronicles chapter 6. And Asaph's name means one who gathers together, one who reconciles ungodly sinners to a holy God. There's no higher calling than that. And surely a man so highly favored and used of God wouldn't be depressed or discouraged. But in verse 2 of Psalm 77, Asaph wrote this. He said, In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord, and my sore ran in the night and seized not, and my soul refused to be comforted. When Asaph said, My sore ran in the night, What's he talking about there? Well, in my marginal Bible, the word sore means hand, and the word ran means flowed or stretched out. So what Asaph is saying here is, I have stretched out my hand in the night in fervent prayer to God. 
I've asked God for help. I've asked God uh, for help and I cease not. And he says this, he said, but my soul refused to be comforted. And it wasn't God's lack of willingness to help. It was his soul's lack of willingness to be helped. Has your soul ever refused to be comforted? <laughs> no matter what you did, no matter what you read, no matter what you prayed, no matter what you asked God, your soul just refused to be comforted. What an obvious sign of our depravity that is. Men and women by nature love to throw pity parties for themselves. And Asaph is speaking of a real hopelessness here. He's speaking, talking about a real helplessness. Asaph is referring to real despair and depression. And he says in verse 4, I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. Words just can't describe this inward distress. Have you ever been so discouraged, depressed, or full of anxiety that you couldn't speak? You just Words just weren't adequate. Mere words would not allow us to describe the depression, the hopelessness, and the helplessness that we felt. And then I'd have you notice here in this psalm that Asaph asks six questions. In verse 7, he asked this, Will the Lord cast off His people forever? Will the Lord be favorable no more? In verse 8, he continues. He said, Is His mercy, is God's mercy clean, gone, done forever? Does His promise fail forevermore? In verse 9, he asked, Has God forgotten to be gracious? Hath God in anger shut up His tender mercies? These are six faithless statements. And if we haven't asked these questions ourselves, we've certainly thought them. When trouble comes, we often feel that the Lord's forsaken us. The heavens are like brass we can't get through and it's like even when God shows us mercy, we refuse to be comforted. And there are two things that bring about this within us. First, we're completely self-absorbed by nature, consumed with self. And secondly, we can't get ourselves out of it. So what do we do? We hope in God. We look to Christ. We beg for mercy. Notice in verse 10 that Asaph says, this is my infirmity. And this is my infirmity, and this is your infirmity. This is the infirmity of all of us by nature. So what do we do when we can do nothing? <laughs> we remember God. Verse 10. We can remember the right hand of God's power. He who made the heavens and the earth is our heavenly Father. And He's out to do us good. Verse 11, we can remember the works of the Lord and His wonders of old. Verse 12, we can remember and meditate on all God's work and we can talk about His amazing doings. Verse 13, we can consider who God is and His greatness as God. 
Verse 14, we can trust Him to be the God who does wonders, the one who declares His strength and sovereignty among His people. In verse 15, we can remember and reflect on His redemption. Hope thou in God. Remember God. Remember who He is. Remember what He's done for sinners. Now I want you to turn with me to another passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5. Paul, the apostle, knew something about trouble. And Paul gives us the remedy of our misery, despairing, and depression. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5. Paul says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake, for Christ's sake, for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we have this treasure. This is a treasure. And we have it in these earthen vessels, these bodies of ours. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Oh, I tell you, if you look within, you'll never find any comfort. You'll never find any deliverance. But if your hope is in the power of God, and you remember who He is, and you rejoice in who He is, what a treasure that is. We have a treasure that those in the world don't. Jesus Christ and Him crucified is our treasure God has shined the light of the glorious gospel in our hearts and we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And the power, that's the power that keeps us. The power that saves us and keeps us. It's God's power and not our own. We don't have any power. I don't know of anyone that chooses to be depressed or, or, or downcast. We don't have any power to control anything. But again, Paul, with, along with Job and along with David, knew the remedy of their trouble. In verse 8, Paul said, We are troubled, we're afflicted, we suffer tribulation on every side, yet not distressed, not depressed. Knowing Christ, having Christ, trusting Christ, our anguish, our agony, our pain, distress is dispersed. Yes, we are perplexed, we are puzzled with ourselves. We are baffled at our own inconsistencies. But we're not in despair. We're not without help. We have our doubts in ourselves, but we don't have any doubt in our Savior. We sure shouldn't. Verse 9, we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. How is it that we're not destroyed? Paul goes on to say in verse 14, knowing that He, God, which raised up the Lord Jesus, shall raise us up also by Christ and present us faultless with you. For all things are for your sake. And that all things there includes our trouble. Our trouble is for our sake. 
David said, it's good for me that I've been afflicted. How is that? That the abundant, Paul says that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Friends, the grace of God is never more obvious to the child of God than when God delivers them out of their trouble. I confess to you that some of the closest fellowship I've had with God Himself has been in my trouble. When I knew that only God could deliver me. Oh, it caused me to cry out in need. And the Lord was faithful. And it was, it was a comfort to know. In verse 16, Paul said, We faint not through the outward man, though the outward man, excuse me, we faint not though the outward man perish, yet... The inward man is renewed day by day. So what did Job do? What did David do? What did Asaph do? And what do, and we do what Paul did. We remember God. We remember who died for us. We remember who put our sin away. We remember Christ who gave us His perfect righteousness. Verse 17, for our light affliction. That's what our trouble is. It's light affliction. Oh, it doesn't feel light, does it? He says it's but for a moment and it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. May we always remember, dear friends, that whatever we go through in this life is but light affliction, especially in comparison to what Christ suffered in our room instead. Light affliction. Oh, woe is me, woe is me. Look to the cross. See what it took to put your sin away. That's real affliction. That's real sorrow. That's real anguish. And this affliction is but for a moment compared to eternity. Oh, it seems like, sometimes it's like, is this ever going to pass? It's just but for a moment compared to what awaits us, that eternal weight of glory that awaits us. Far more exceeding weight of glory, Paul said. And then Paul says in verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, that's a big part of our problem. We, do, we look at the things around us and it just seems helpless and hopeless. But we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporal, but for a moment. But the things which are not seen are eternal. That's why the true believer will never forsake the assembling of themselves together. They meet, as I said in the first hour, to exhort and comfort and encourage one another. They meet to praise the God who loved them without a cause. God loves us freely. That's what freely means. It means without a cause. There was nothing within us that would cause God to be merciful and gracious to us and save us by His grace. God's people come together to worship Christ who laid down His life for them. Our hope is in God. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Peter knew something about this despair. He denied the Lord three times. 
And the scriptures say that he remembered the word of Christ, which said unto him, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. And the scripture says he went out and wept bitterly. Can you imagine how he felt? He had become angry with the Lord when the Lord, well, maybe not angry is the word, but he, he became impatient and, and with the Lord when the Lord told him this is what he would do. Peter said, though all men be offended because of thee, I'll never be offended. Not me, Lord. He said, they can kill me with you, but I will not deny you. And yet that's exactly what he did. Do you suppose Peter was depressed after that? Do you suppose he was distressed? Do you suppose that he was in despair? And then when the Lord arose from the dead, He told those ladies who came to the sepulcher, He said, you go your way and you tell the disciples and Peter that He goes before you into Galilee and there you shall see Him as He said unto you. Oh, if we could just believe what God has told us. Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Oh, we'd never be depressed. We'd never be distressed or without rest if we could just believe as we all. Tell His disciples and Peter. Peter don't believe he's a disciple anymore. But he is. And you be sure to tell him that I'm going to see him again. Not long after these things, Peter said, I go fishing. I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm not cut out for this preaching business. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I can relate to that. I think every preacher can. Every true preacher can. And the Lord met him there and asked him three times, the same amount of times that he denied, Peter denied Christ. And he said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me more than the other disciples? Well, before you denied me, you said that you did. You said, all these may deny you, but not me, not ever. Do you love me more than fishing? I don't know what the Lord was talking about when He said, do you love me more than me? Peter said, Lord, Thou knowest that I love Thee. And the Lord said, feed my lambs. If you love me, preach the Gospel. Feed my sheep. Three times for every denial, the Lord asked Peter if he loved him. And Peter learned a valuable lesson here, and so should we. He knew that the Lord knew all things. I suppose one of the most important things that I've learned since the Lord revealed the gospel to me is this. The problems that men and women have, have whether professing believers or unbelieving infidels, an interest in God and His Redeemer for sinners is birthed out of need. Need of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that are well have no need of a physician. And no need of the great physician. But Jesus Christ is the one thing needful. God will supply all your need. Singular. Christ according to His riches. Where are God's riches found? In, by, and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hope. Thou in Christ. 
Trouble's going to come. <clears throat> For some, it's already come. For some, it's just around the corner. I remember Bruce Cavanaugh telling me one time he poured a sidewalk for me and he said, uh, I said, I teased with him, I said, is there any guarantee on this? He said, yeah. He said, it's guaranteed to crack. <laughs> well, trouble's going to come, I can guarantee it. It's going to come. And if you're a child of God, it comes, as David said, that we might learn that it's good for us to be afflicted. He said that we might learn God's statutes. That we might learn God's appointments. That we might learn that God sent the trouble. That we might see our need. That we might desire the only one that can help us. Oh, hope thou in God. And the only way to overcome trouble and affliction, and distress, depression, misery, anguish, despair... Whatever you call it, is to look to Christ. We can be assured that if we seek His help, we'll find it. No one has ever sought the Lord. I can't find anywhere in the Scripture. I still make that challenge for someone to find it for me. Where one came to Christ seeking His help that did not receive it. And if you come seeking His help, then He's already determined that you'll find it. I'm reminded again of that passage in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. It says, But thou art a God ready to pardon. Gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. Our Lord said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Never. That's a long time. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And this is why God will not leave us in our trouble, misery, depression, and anguish and despair. He is a God ready to pardon. Have you ever thought about that? God is ready to pardon. Ready means fully prepared to pardon. Ready means eager and inclined to pardon. Ready means immediately willing to pardon. Who is this that's ready to pardon? God, the only one who can. He's ready, He's prepared, He's equipped, He's inclined, He's agreeable to pardoning sinners in Christ. Pardon for sinners is never deserved. <laughs> It's always graciously given. It can't be earned. It's free. It can't be merited. There's none that doeth good. Pardon is an amazing thing when you realize that God cannot simply excuse or overlook our sin. We saw that in our study of Psalm this morning. The soul that sins, what shall it do? It shall die. I want you to listen to me closely in closing. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 17, 15, He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even they both are an abomination to the Lord. 
Now, God will not justify the wicked. He can't and remain just. He can't and remain God. Like that judge I told you about in the first hour. You go before a... a, a I'll tell it again quickly. The, a, a, a serial killer goes before the Lord or goes before a judge and the judge... And he tells the judge, he says, you know, I'm sincerely sorry. I wish I hadn't done that. I regret that I did it. And if that judge said, well, I believe you. You're free to go. That wouldn't be justice, would it? But we have a God who is ready to pardon. He cannot spare the, 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 the sinner and be just, but He cannot condemn the just either. That's where the just one, Jesus Christ, comes in. That's why salvation is of the Lord. Salvation's in a person. Salvation's not what we do, but what God's done for us. Christ the just one died as the just one for the unjust. That's you and I. That's the kind of folks Christ died for, sinners. It's a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. Jesus Christ is a just God, but He didn't stop there. He said, and a Savior. Jesus Christ died as the just one for the unjust ones who are all who believe in Him so that He might bring them to God. Now, I've often heard it said that if you can take the first step to save yourself, then you can walk all the way into heaven. But it's taking that first step. A dead man has a problem with the first step. If he can take the first step, then he can go on all the way. But it's that first step that's the issue. It's the problem. It's the same with us. We've got to be brought to God. We've got to be brought to God, and Christ is the only one that can bring us. And you're going to be brought to God justly. God would cease to be God if you weren't. And such is our union with Christ that when God sees the Lord Jesus Christ, He sees all who put their trust in Him. Hope thou in God. Being one with Christ, God cannot justly condemn me because He's made me just by satisfying justice and justifying me. And this is how God is ready to pardon. And this is why God is fully prepared to pardon. And this is why God is immediately willing to pardon because Christ justly put our sin away. Does that depress you? Does that discourage you? Does that give you anxiety? No. That gives us hope in God. Hope thou in God. Because Christ justly gave us His perfect righteousness, we have no reason to be depressed. We have any reason to be distressed, to be in anguish, to have anxiety, to be despondent, or even to be sad. We don't. Then why do we? The sin within us is the only reason 
But if we can just remember what God has done for us in Christ, that light affliction would be only for a moment. And we would see that it works for us a far more exceeding weight of glory, eternal weight of glory. As we look not at the things that we see. You know, when I look around me today, I see so much sadness and depression and anxiety and heartache. But when I look to the things which are not seen, when I get my eyes off the things that are temporal, and I get my eyes on the unseen eternal things, those things we see when we walk by faith and not by sight, the eternal things that bring glory to God, if God is pleased, now listen, if God is pleased to enable us to get our eyes off the things that we that plague us in this life, they'll fade away in the light of the eternal glory that awaits us in Christ. God's promised us that. And He is faithful that promised. And He's God who is ready to pardon. Why? Again, verse 17, because He's so gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger. He's of great kindness. What do we have to be depressed about? Hope thou in God.